I know when you ask me about these injuries, and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me. I don't know if I got any translation for what just transpired for your Seattle Seahawks. It is Danny O'Neill. This is the dang apostrophe. A little bit of an emergency edition. We got a Russell Wilson trade update. Going to be talking to Ben Baldwin, who is one of the one of the linchpins of Seahawks Twitter. He is also my economist friend, someone I have known and followed online for a number of years and been close with someone. He's an economist uh, by background, and I've always appreciated and enjoyed sort of the numerical perspective and the opinions that he brings to it. Someone who is very clearly uh, in favor of the turning the offense over to Russell Wilson over these past few years. And now his initial reaction was, I'm just so happy for Russell Wilson that he gets to go to an offense in Denver that will allow him to do that. I was not surprised at this trade. I did expect that he was going to Russell Wilson was going to be moved this off season. But to say that I expected this deal or that team or anything would have said that I, I thought it's more likely than not. He ends up getting traded given everything that happened over the course of the past year, how unhappy he was last off season, how last year went and, and the direction the team had continues to move with Pete Carroll and John Schneider there to have it happen though. And to realize, okay, that's what Seattle got. My first reaction, there's not a clear path to a successor quarterback. I know there's some mention of the possibility of them targeting Deshaun Watson. We'll see if that comes to that. But I was surprised that a deal for Russell Wilson did not include a clear path to a successor quarterback. I believe that we'll see Seattle do very much what it did in 2010, which was Pete and John's first year. I don't think anybody's going to talk about rebuilding, but I think that's very much what you're going to see. I expect to see a lot of veterans, whether it's Quandre Diggs left in free agency, whether it is Tyler Lockett traded. I, I don't I don't think DK Metcalf will necessarily be in that group, but I think you're going to see a huge emphasis that Seattle makes on getting younger every single way they can. I don't expect them to have their franchise quarterback in place for the 2022 season. I don't think there's going to be a trade that lands somebody. Obviously, if it ends up being Deshaun Watson, I am totally wrong about that. But I I think that you'll see them take the path that they took back in 2010, where you bring in guys who have a, a little bit of upside still left. I think Drew Locke is very much in the mold of someone like Charlie Whitehurst or Tavares Jackson is a former relatively high draft pick. He was a second round choice that they see some upside in. And I think you're going to see Seattle go with the strength and numbers approach where they try to get younger and let players play their way up the depth chart over this next year or two with the hope that, that they're in position to have the kind of contender that they did after two or three years, that they're able to break through like they did. It was Pete Carroll's third year when you saw them really turn the corner. It's surprising in the sense that Seattle is 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 raising its hand and volunteering to go into that class of teams that, hey, who's our quarterback? I don't think they make this move if they were convinced that they're willing to sign Russell Wilson to the next extension 
which which they would have likely preferred next year. It's possible he wants one now. It's it's possible that's been in the background. I I don't know if we'll see him sign a new contract in Denver, but that wouldn't shock me. When Denver gave up all of this, they're certainly looking toward this as a for the next six to ten years kind of investment. I think Seattle. I don't know if Seattle's convinced that Russell Wilson is on the downside of his career, but they certainly have some questions about whether it's going to get worse from here. And a year ago, Russell Wilson didn't want to be traded. He wanted to do everything he could to get the team to listen to what he wanted. This year, he wanted to be traded. I, I, don't, I don't think he wanted a trade last year. He wanted them to listen to him last year. This year, he wanted to be traded. And I think that's why everything has been so understated since the end of the season, because he saw that making a big public spectacle didn't produce what he wanted, either in terms of a reaction from the team or from the fan base, and he took a very different approach this year. The result is that he's headed to Denver, and there's not a better person, there's not a person whose perspective I wanted more in the wake of this trade then then Ben Baldwin you can follow him on Twitter Ben B Baldwin Ben do you do you still is, are you still my economist friend on Twitter Yeah I put that in my bio I think like 5 years ago and, and it's still uh going strong so yeah I'm 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 proud to call myself uh, Danny's economist friend Well it is Ben is someone whose expertise and viewpoint I've always really enjoyed He has also for better or worse become I don't know if you're the patron saint of let Russ cook <laughs> But definitely of the feeling that Russell Wilson's skills have been underutilized over the past three or four years specifically, but just in general by the Seahawks. Is that a fair, is that a fair summary, Ben? Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And um, as, as we'll get into it, it sounds like that is part of the frustration that Russell Wilson himself felt and, and might have agreed with that uh, to some degree. Um, probably not a good thing for the Seahawks that it, it turned out <laughs> to be that way, but um, that that's how we ended up where we are now. Well, let's start with your reaction to the trade. Uh, when you saw he was going to Denver, um, maybe even before you saw the compensation for what Seattle was getting, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, so it's, there. there's of course the brief, like looking at the Adam Schefter tweet 10 times to make sure that the check mark was there and it, it really is the, the person with 10 million followers that really is Adam Schefter and not some spoof tweet. And then um, after that, it was like, okay, wow, they, they really did it. I, I, I wasn't like, it's not a shock because we've been left all these kind of crumbs along the way of Russell Wilson not being super satisfied and um, giving the Seahawks a list of teams he'd be willing to be traded to a year ago and um, reporting by Michael Sean Dugar and, and others about how there, there really was a rift between Wilson and the team and, and why while Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll might love each other as people and humans and get along great in that way, it, it sounds like there really were just philosophical differences about how to best win football games. And um, as you can like somebody a lot, but if you think that the other person is uh, not helping you achieve your goals, then it, it's perhaps not super surprising um, that we ended up here. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with your characterization. And I would say that maybe, I don't know if it's a tipping point, but one of the landmarks in their relationship, I think I go back to the 2018 playoff game yep. against Dallas, where Seattle ended up 
running the ball a ton and not very effectively. They ended up barely losing, and it was really that. After that was the first time that I heard, and it wasn't from Russell. It was from people around Russell of like, I don't know if this is going to work long term. I don't know if they're going to turn it, turn it over to him. And the one exception to that was really the first half of 2020. And you've written some about this today on Twitter, Ben. Um, that first half of 2020 kind of stands out as the the one point where they really did kind of put the offense in in Russell Wilson's hands, so to speak. But then they kind of took it back, and it's never really gone back to being the same. Yeah, and it's it's kind of frustrating because that that was what Seahawks fans had wanted to see for um, such a long time. Uh, everyone, everyone remembers that hot stretch uh, down the stretch of the 2015 season where um, the, the Seahawks kind of put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands, especially once Thomas Rawls got hurt, unfortunately. All their running backs were hurt, and Wilson had a, a great stretch, and then... For years after that, Seahawks fans were like, okay, we want to see that again. We want to see that again. We want to see what Wilson can do. And, and I'm sure the people around Wilson, um, like you mentioned, felt that way to some extent too. And then and then we finally did see it in 2020, and it was glorious and everything that we hoped it could be. And unfortunately, it was it was uh, pretty short-lived as um, there was kind of a, a downstretch in the middle of the season. And then um, after the season, Pete Carroll, I think when talking to you, talking about how um, he, he credited Brian Schottenheimer with um, clamping down on the turnovers and adjusting the offense. And like, it, it sounds like something changed where it wasn't the kind of uh, letting Russell Wilson be the focal point anymore uh, for the rest of the season. And, and the Seahawks, not that Russell Wilson played well uh, down the stretch of that season, but uh, the, C- the Seahawks as a team didn't um, uh, live up to how they played in the first half of the um, season either. It's a weird... I still don't know entirely what happened because the explanation has been like the explanation was their defense, their offense started seeing more too high safety looks that kept, kept receivers from getting basically eliminated over the top threat, the deep ball and that Seattle couldn't adjust. I know that Pete was frustrated by their inability. He thought they should have been able to run the ball better yep. and, and they couldn't, but that still doesn't explain what happened with the offense. Tyler Lockett's health probably ties into that, and that's something you've pointed to a couple of different times, that when Lockett has gotten beat up, which has happened, their offense has has not been able to withstand not just losing him, but when he's not at his best, they have a really hard time. Yeah, and we saw that in, in both 2019 and 2020, mm-hmm. um, both seasons, Russell Wilson was talked about as an MVP candidate partway through the season, and then uh, Lockett got dinged up and just wasn't quite the same take-the-top-off-the-defense type of player, and, and we saw that coincide with um, the effectiveness of Seattle's passing attack diminishing. And, and this is consistent with research that, for example, PFF has done about the importance of having multiple receiving weapons, because if you if you only have one guy and the defense knows that that's the guy, uh, in this case, DK Metcalf, and Lockett isn't um, the threat that he otherwise would be, then it's easier for uh, a team to shut down an offense. And, and we saw this especially in, in those games against the Rams, where going back to 2020, they, they played the Rams, I think it was three times in nine weeks, and they if they had Jalen Ramsey follow around DK Metcalf and there wasn't really anybody else on the Seahawks that could scare them and they had a great pass rush, then it's just really tough sledding um, for uh, the Seahawks offense and they did not play well in, in any of those three games against the Rams. 
the next chapter, I expect Seattle and Russ are going to say incredibly nice things about each other. I don't think there's going to be much dirty laundry aired. But there will be a race to see who ends up most miserable. Like, they're going to wish each other well, but but it's certainly like who's going to live the best life going forward. What do you... Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like the, the Tom Brady uh, Patriots situation. And, and I'm, I'm sure Russell Wilson is hoping for a, a similar conclusion to that one. Yeah. Let's, what do you expect, or Russell Wilson going to Denver, what do you expect from, from him for sort of this second half of his career now? So... It's in one way, it's, it's kind of hard to answer because he's going to a coach that is a new head coach and we don't really know um, how he will mesh with Russell Wilson and, and what his vision is for the offense. Um, so I think there's some kind of mystery there, but what, what I would expect is that we have a, a decade now of Russell Wilson, for the most part, being a, a very, very good quarterback, uh, except when he was hurt um, mm-hmm. after the finger injury. So. Like I, w- I would expect him to play at that uh, level that we've seen unless there's some uh, quick physical decline. And the way quarterbacks have been aging recently with um, modern health and nutrition plans and, and the rules that the NFL has put in place to protect quarterbacks, like I, I don't think there's any reason to expect him to fall off a cliff. So, um, yes, it's a very hard division. The, the Broncos will not be division favorites and shouldn't be division favorites because the Chiefs are in the division. But... They, they should still be a good team and be kind of in the mix in the AFC, I, I would expect. Do you think there's any truth to the idea, and I, I don't know how else to describe it other than the idea, that when you've got Russell Wilson, you run the Russell Wilson offense, that there's certain things that he does. He's got a beautiful deep ball. He likes to hold on to the ball a ton, and that he's – I hate the term system quarterback because all of it comes down to accentuating the best skills of your, of your quarterback – but it does seem, and, and I think some people think that Russ is different and he's, he's just not going to conform or follow your scripted offense and do, do what he wants. Do you think there's, is there any validity to that sort of characterization of Wilson? Yeah, I think there, there are so many different quote unquote film people or however you want to call them that have all said this exact same thing that I, I think there, are, there does have to be some element of truth there where there, like there's just some... Uh, some concepts or route types that he just won't throw and, and especially um, over the middle of the field and, and whether it's because he's uh, risk averse about turnovers or because Pete Carroll has drilled it into his head to avoid turnovers, which I, I kind of doubt or what seems the most likely explanation that like this is where his height actually does play a role in, in how he plays, which uh, doesn't make him um, bad or flawed any more than any other NFL quarterback is flawed, but like it, it is an actual thing where um, his height probably does play a role in um, how he sees the field and, and gets through his progressions and feels comfortable throwing. So yes, I, I, I do I do think there is to some extent like the the offense will look, um, yeah it, at least to some extent like uh, endeavor like it, it did in Seattle and and the the challenge for Hackett will be to kind of make that as effective as he can within the constraints of having Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm excited to. I'm interested to see what what Nathaniel Hackett does with Wilson because he's had an example working with LaFleur and and Rodgers to see how you sort of adapt an offense or a scheme that you like to the specific skill sets of of the elite quarterback you have. What's what's the biggest myth or lie that you've heard or mischaracterization you've heard about Russell Wilson over this past day in reaction to the trade? 
Yeah, so I, I think the, the couple things that have annoyed me are like people saying that for the last year and a half, he hasn't been himself. And I think like to think that you have, first of all, that like the year and a half part is very carefully chosen. Like you're, you're, purpose, you're purposefully <laughs> ignoring what happened for the first few weeks of 2020 where he was legitimately really good. And then, yes, I, I absolutely agree that he didn't play his best down the stretch of 2020. But if you thought that that was because of defenses adjusting or like finding an answer to him, then um, I, I think that his performance at the beginning of 2021 shows that either that wasn't why the decline happened or uh, the Seahawks and Wilson found some sort of adjustment to that where he, he looked very good throughout the first part of the season before the injury. And then afterwards, we know that he was playing through an injury, so it, it's not that surprising that he fell off. So, so I, I think it is a little simplistic to say that Russell Wilson used to be a great quarterback and then all of a sudden a year and a half ago um, hasn't been the same guy anymore. Like, I, I, I think that is a stretch given what we know about the, the past decade um, of who he has been as a quarterback. Let's turn our attention to the Seahawks. We now know what they get. Um, I was a little surprised they didn't get more. That was, that was my initial first blush reaction. Um, that's obviously they were limited in who they could talk to because Russ had to be okay with where he was going. He had a no-trade clause. They get two first-round picks, which includes the number nine overall this year, but it's not a rich draft in terms of quarterbacks. They get three players. I think Noah Fant is the most interesting to me. I Drew Locke, I lump in the category of like Charlie Whitehurst when Seattle signed him or, or Tavares Jackson where may, – He's somebody that was, was fairly well-regarded coming out, hasn't done enough to make you think he's a starter. He's got a shot to compete. I guess the biggest surprise I have, Ben, is that they traded Russell Wilson and don't have a path to their next to his successor. They don't have a path to another quarterback right now. Yeah, I, the, the return, I, I, a couple of reactions. First is that I, I agree about the return. Um, and it, it sounds like they had an offer from Washington that could have been more, but... The, the reporting was that they didn't want to trade him within conference, which I think that sounds a little silly because um, it, it's hard to imagine the Seahawks competing in the near term. And I they probably disagree with that because Pete Carroll is the eternal optimist, but uh, it, it, it's hard to imagine a scenario where the, the Seahawks and uh, Washington football team, uh, I guess commanders are uh, the ones competing with each other in the NFC. So I would have just traded him to wherever he would waive his no trade clause where they got the best deal. Um, and yeah, the quarterback situation is uh, not great right now. They're looking at these teams that were making offers to Seattle, like the Broncos and Commanders. Both of those teams have been churning through quarterbacks without success for uh, since Peyton Manning retired for the Broncos, which was after 2015, and then for Washington since Kirk Cousins left. And now Seattle has said, we're, we're willing to put ourselves in, <laughs> in the territory that these two teams have been and, and hope that somewhere they can conjure up a quarterback like they did with Russell Wilson back in the day. Yeah, I and as far as the rebuild, I would expect, and I've seen a report today that they're listening to offers for Tyler Lockett, I, I would expect they are going toward a full-scale rebuild no matter what Pete says. And I think the question there is DK Metcalf. Would, if you're Seattle, would you look at moving Metcalf right now? I think I would keep Metcalf because he's – very young and plays a position that is very important. So he's, he's like the one building block that they would have left. And 
even if they're kind of in the wilderness for a couple years, um, if, if they sign DK to a long-term deal, then if they ever do find a quarterback and, and turn things around, then he's, he's absolutely somebody that um, you would want on your team. And, and the question is whether he would be, um, how satisfied he would be in, the, in that situation if they really aren't a very good team for a couple of years. Um, but my question for you is, do you think they will actually um, go through like a, a full-scale rebuild? It, it seems very um, counter to how Pete Carroll thinks about like wanting to win every single game. Yeah, I, I think they are going in into a rebuild in a similar to what 2010 was that okay. that's what yeah. i would say yeah. i i i think i think you're going to hear them say all of the things about competing each and every year but i think they're going to look at it like they did 2010 and i think okay. that that they are going to full i don't i would i would tend to agree with you like dk metcalf i could see being a guy that you hold on to and say he's going to be the next one i i don't know how close they think their defense is I, I I don't I don't know if they feel that the cupboard is so is is as bare as it was when they very first got here. I think I I know they like Jordan Brooks, but you've got some puzzling pieces. What do you <laughs> you got a lot of money tied up in in Jamal Adams, which you, you have to keep. Do you re-sign Quandre Diggs? I, I I would tend to think you probably don't, yep. because I, he's he's someone who if if you're taking if you don't. If you at your heart of hearts don't expect to really make the playoffs this year, I don't, I don't, I don't think you resign him. So I, this doesn't make sense unless, unless they have another quarterback lined up, which which I guess there's Deshaun Watson hanging out there, and maybe I just don't want to consider that one because I really, I I don't want to see them acquire him. Like, yep. I I I just I just don't want to see it. Um, it unless they've got a deal for another quarterback lined up, I think you would. You would have to go that route of a of a, of a of a full and honest rebuild, and really expect that this year you you are going to spend this year trying to find as many young assets as you can. Yeah, I I absolutely think that makes the most sense for what they should do, and I, I'm curious to see um, <laughs> what they actually got do the do old, <laughs> oldest coach in the league, and you're going to go back and I I come back, and the one part that's puzzling is this really does show sort of the the definitive answer above all answers is that Pete is not going to change from the format that he has. Like that's for whatever happened at the midpoint of of 2020 when he dialed it back like he he does mean it. Like he he would not even if you gave him Drew Brees, he would not run a Drew Brees offense. He just doesn't believe in that. Yeah, and he he wrote his Win Forever book where he he very clearly laid out his philosophy of what wins football games. And I I think he spent a lot of time thinking about how he views football and what wins games and his approach to even how he wants his team to play and the style that they play and how, how, how things look and feel. And like that all seems very important to him. And um, it, when you've been doing things one way for a very long time, then it, it's, I, I think it's hard to kind of reconsider whether or not that might be the best way. So it's so weird, Ben, because he is progressive in so many ways. Yep. Yep. Like in terms of he's not someone that is my way or the highway and, and sort of top down the orders pass through. He, he, he gives players a lot of latitude to be themselves, but then you get to these points where it really is like, he really does. He really does stick with that idea of running the ball and wanting to punt and it's I've spent I've spent a lot of time these past few months because I've been writing so much about it. But it's 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 really this strange contrast because he should be of all the people the 
the one who's most willing to let go of those things because look all the motivational stuff he does all the other football coaches think he's kind of a dork for it like they think he's a new agey woo woo and and yet kind of when it comes these very like fundamental elements of the game he's 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 incredibly stodgy it's 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 hard to wrap my mind around sometimes yeah it it, it is a weird contrast between for example bringing in all these um diverse people with ideas to come in and, and talk to the team and um, let let his players really explore who they are and what they believe and just like the, the whole world and ideas out there and help them become their own people while at the same time just like not doing that for for example whether or not you should put the ball in your best player's hands on fourth and one or something <laughs> <laughs> or just go for it more on fourth and one yeah. Don't bring yep. out the punt. Don't 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 punt near midfield. It yep. it seems like he should be. I saw you were starting to scout the draft, and you're looking at <laughs> you're looking at running backs, which I believe I believe the first time we talked, it might have been the first time I interviewed you, was yep. in the lead up to the Rashad Penny draft. <laughs> yeah, that was the um, was that I think that was the Saquon Barkley draft. Yes, too, correct, exactly. Yeah, so I my so originally it was talking about like how how would be a mistake for somebody to spend a top five pick on him. And, and then I was like, oh, by the way, the Seahawks have the number 18 pick uh, at the time, and they shouldn't draft a running back either. And then, of course, the rest is history. Um, that, so, yeah, so I was joking. I don't think they'll actually draft a running back. I am uh, interested to see what the market for Rashad Penny looks like and whether they bring him back. And and, and the, the really interesting thing in the draft is whether a quarterback falls to the Seahawks who they believe in and, and whether they – pull the trigger on um, a quarterback and start the rebuild or whatever they want to call it that way. Yeah, I think they're going to do it the same way they did last time. Um, like I mentioned the Deshaun Watson thing. I don't think they're going that route. I think they're going to do the, we're not going to put all our eggs into one basket. We're going to we're going to take a bunch of medium-sized bites and, and get Drew Locke being one example. They're going to get a number of guys in here and wait for the player to sort of prove themselves before they commit to him um it is it's wild to think that that's that the russell wilson era is over it was 10 years it was incredible and at the same time as predictable as it was it's going to be strange to see him play for someone else yeah it's going to be so weird like sitting down in the late afternoon window and and the choices are watching drew lock and the seahawks play against the rams or in the AFC, Russell Wilson and the Broncos playing against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, or something like that. Like it's it's just going to take time getting used to where where the Seahawks are playing and Russell Wilson's not playing and he's actually playing for this 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 actual this other team in the in the AFC West. Are you going to still cheer for the Seahawks? If if they get Deshaun Watson, no. Um, if if they don't, then yeah, I I would still like to see them do well um, and. Part of the reason I started following them so closely is, uh, so I moved to the East Coast in um, 2012 and like watching these games and seeing all the fans in the stadium, it, it felt like a very small way to sort of feel connected to the city that I grew up in. Um, and that was like one of the ways that I, uh, one of the reasons that I, I watched the Seahawks and follow them so closely and, and participate in the online Seahawks community. And, and all of that is still there, but it's hard. It's hard to feel as engaged when I I think the team has been run 
so poorly in, in recent years, if, if any of this makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. Because I was, I, I was, I, I was thinking about it. I do, I think about, I think about Ben Baldwin's fandom and what is, because I was like, <laughs> your head's telling you there's, there's, they're stupid for making this decision. And Russell Wilson's going to have more success in Denver than Seattle's going to have without Russell Wilson. But your heart might still be pulling for the Seahawks, or maybe it's one of those situations because I've had this as a fan before, where I feel my t- my team deserves pain. It's like <laughs> you, you, you yet yeah, I'm I'm not even going to complain about this. That you're, they're stupid. We we deserve this one. When when Washington lost to Oregon this year in that game, like yeah. Washington deserved that pain after Jim, <laughs> what Jimmy Lake said, the academically prowess and whatever. Yep. I was like, yep. yeah, we're we, we 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 are owed this. So do you? Because I. I'm sure that you think, suspect that Denver will be better than Seattle this year. Are you are you rooting for that, or are you hoping that Seattle comes out ahead? Um, I I think it's not necessarily comparing them, but I I want I want Russell Wilson to do well and succeed in Denver, and I would also enjoy the Seahawks winning football games. Um, when they play each other, I would not be surprised if I ended up rooting for the Broncos, depending on when the season night is. If if it's, has become apparent by then that the Seahawks have no chance of winning games and the Broncos might actually do something. So that that's that's the calculus there and, and probably tells you how attached I am to the to the Seahawks at this point. Yeah. My last thing for you, Ben, and you mentioned this sort of the the way the team has been managed recently. And in ultimately whether Seattle gets back to the playoffs under Pete Carroll, which which I think is really a successful rebuild would get them back to the playoffs in in Carroll's in the remainder of Carroll's tenure. Uh, depends on what they do with these draft picks and the draft. The past five drafts have not been have not been impressive. Um, there's a certain thought that some people have that Seattle's gone and well, by some people I mean me that that, that perhaps that they've stopped playing young guys and the reason that we haven't seen the development or the emergence of other difference makers is because the the coaches seem to prefer veterans and instead of instead of having Ugo Amadi as your nickelback as a rookie, they had who was it? Was it Jamar Taylor or somebody that was out there? Like they've they've had they've constantly sort of kept veterans in place instead of giving young guys like Cody Barton an opportunity to play. The flip side to that is the young guys just might not be any good. And the reason that the veterans are playing is because they haven't gotten, gotten any. What do you think has happened over the past five years in, in terms of what was one of the better organizations at drafting and developing talent? Yeah. So I think part of it is we know a lot about the NFL draft being a crapshoot. So some of it is probably just bad luck Mm -hmm. and, like obviously the primary example of this is the Malik McDowell pick where like maybe there's a, an alternate universe where he doesn't get hurt before he ever plays a snap for the Seahawks and um, is a very impactful player. And then the Seahawks don't spend a second round pick on Sheldon Richardson and like all these domino effects um, down the road as well. So I, I think that's part of it where the results, the real results have been very bad recently. And, and some of it is probably bad luck where if they had more shots of it, they would, do better. I think another factor is that they have not spent their premium draft positions in a way um, uh, that would be suggested by an understanding of like positional value and what's important in winning football games. So we already talked about the Rashad Penny pick, but like the LJ Collier pick, the Jordan Brooks pick, and like he he might be a, a decent NFL linebacker, but 
spending a first round pick to get that um, instead of drafting a pass rusher or wide receiver or cornerback or something like they're they're um, handing themselves losses without really um, giving them a chance and I, I think that's another thing that's that has gone on and then of course they've been very eager to trade away draft picks uh, like in the Jamal, <laughs> Jamal Adams trade so the, the Adams <laughs> trade is a disaster at this point like you you just yeah. sit there and you look at it and you're like what it was is it the 10th of, what was the pick that they they ended up giving away to the uh, the Jets 10. this year? It's, so it's, it's ten. The, the so, one after they just got yeah. <laughs> so, so it's two first round picks, including number ten overall, and a third rounder for Adams. And they just yeah. got two first round picks, two second round picks, three players. So they they get for for a franchise quarterback though, and you're just like, oh, uh, yeah, it's it's tough to, yeah. Well, uh, Ben. I, I really do. I've, I I always enjoy reading your perspective, and it's it's really good to catch up with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Um, thanks for having me on, and uh, I, I fully support um, this, this podcast, and uh, it's exciting to see it get off the ground. That's going to wrap up this special episode of The Dang Apostrophe. Thanks to Ben Baldwin for joining me. Have two requests of you. That's right. I'm asking things of you listeners. The first one is, If you'd be willing to leave a review of this podcast, the funnier the better on wherever you get your podcasts. Take a picture of the review, pass it along to me. If it's especially funny, I'll drop some stickers in the mail to you. I might even send you, I got a couple stainless steel coffee tumblers. I got some t-shirts. Particularly good reviews will be rewarded. And the second thing is, if you want to hear another episode this week, I don't know, maybe something like Russell Wilson's five defining moments as a Seahawk, something like that. Hit me up in the comments. It is Danny O'Neill. This is the dang apostrophe because like the apostrophe, I continue to hang around. I know when you ask me about these injuries and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me. Here.